0: As you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, uh, ha- have you gotten back into the saddle of routine? And are you ready for the new year? Uh, ha- have you completely recovered from the, the holidays? Uh, we-, we had the delightful experience uh, this year of a Christmas like no other. Uh, you know, last year the, the-, 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 the twin grandsons were still babies. and uh, They really didn't understand Christmas. They understood it this year, big time. And uh, uh, Pastor, uh, I uh, had the uh, extreme uh, delight and duty of uh, being the shopper. Becky let me shop all the toys for the boys. And I became a boy again. I bought dinosaurs and I bought Against the political correctness, I bought cowboy guns and cowboy rifles. And i uh, tell you, I bought cars and uh, monster trucks. And uh, they, the, the two things they wanted the most was Spider-Man and monster truck. Monster truck. And so I found a Spider-Man monster truck. Uh, and we bought all these toys. And these boys have all these toys to play with. Did they play with them? They ran around with those cardboard tubes that the wrapping paper, sword fighting. And, and, and I'm sitting in, in my recliner finally trying to rest after this experience called Christmas and bop on the back of my head. And I hear laughter. And there's Logan just, just beating me down. I'm the guy that bought him the toys. And then he's laughing and he hits Grandpa again. I just, no respect. I'm taking you through the book of Luke. I, I haven't done this for a while, and I felt led of the Lord to uh, do this. And we began in Christmas taking you through the book uh, of Luke. Uh, haven't, what I mean is we haven't taken you chapter by chapter through a book of the Bible uh, as we're going to be doing so. And I'm going to endeavor to finish at Easter time With the Gospel of Luke as we take you chapter by chapter. uh, I would recommend to you in your morning devotions, your evening devotions, or whenever you do your Bible study or Bible reading, read the book of Luke. Read it backwards and forwards more than once and and be a step ahead of me if you would. It'll help for the preaching experience. In the book of Luke, chapter 2, we deal with a baby, a baby like no other baby. Matthew or Luke chapter 2 verse 25 and if you don't have a sermon study guide raise your hand and usher will get one to you now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout he was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah moved by the Spirit He went into the temple courts when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Mary and Joseph had come to dedicate baby Jesus at the temple according to what the Jewish law had required. Simeon was moved by the Holy Spirit to show up at the temple that day. Simeon had been promised by God that he would see the Messiah before he would die. Now, read what happens next. Simeon took him, took baby Jesus, in his arms. Can you say those words with me? Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Can you imagine that experience? of holding in your arms baby Jesus. And he took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as You have promised, You may now dismiss Your servant in peace, for my eyes, my eyes have seen Your salvation, which You have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation of the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel imagine with me this morning what amazing thoughts what amazing memories what amazing revelations must have impacted Simeon as he looked into the face the face I want you to remember that word face the face of the son God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, on this first Sunday, this first preaching experience of the new year, God grant us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us in this hour and grant us hearts to receive in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're following along with me in that sermon study guide, as Simeon looked into the face of the Messiah, I imagine he must have thought of the first time the face of God was spoken of to the people of God. What am I referring to? If you're able to ref- uh, turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter six, verse twenty-four. In Numbers six twenty-four, we have the aeronautic blessing. This is a blessing that God himself composed, God himself uttered. God gave this blessing to Moses to have Aaron give over the people to bless them, to prosper them, to minister to them. This was the most common blessing that the Jews used One to another. It was given by the priests every year. This blessing is a blessing that you've heard me, your pastor use. Time and time again. At funeral services. As we close those tragic experiences. Read it with me in Numbers chapter 6 verse 24. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up His countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This is a blessing that is both practical. You can use it tomorrow morning when you go to work. And it's both prophetic. It's future oriented. Note here, again, the Lord make His face shine upon thee. Face face. What is this all about? First of all, write it down. The main truth that we receive from this powerful scripture is that it's God's desire. It's God's desire. It's God's desire to bless. To bless His children. To bless His followers. To bless the people of God. You, you show me anywhere in the Bible in Holy Writ where it's God's desire to curse his children can't find it in fact this blessing that God gives us here in Numbers chapter 6 this blessing shows it proves God has a greater desire to bless us than we have faith to receive it oh yes now mark this down Numbers 6 24 also reveals God's Blessing includes, what? His protection. You can count on that in 2014. For the blessing says, The Lord bless thee and, what? Keep thee. Keep thee. Keep thee. The Bible says that fear is more than a psychological malady. The Bible clearly reveals to us that fear is more than an abstract concept in your mind, in my mind. The Bible reveals that fear is a spirit that can haunt us. Paul says to Timothy, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. It's amazing how many are moving into 2014 haunted by a spirit of fear. Fear. I want to address that quickly this morning. Are are you haunted by a fear of of rejection? A fear of loneliness? Psychologists tell us that the, the most basic fear for all of us is the fear of abandonment, the fear of desertion, the fear of of rejection. Not long ago, we were staying at our our cottage uh, just a ways up north, and uh, we had the whole tribe in that little two-bedroom, small, tiny, little bathroom cottage. The whole tribe. I mean, all the children, Pastor Ryan and the twin grandsons. I mean, we're all there stumbling over one another. And uh, we've got this uh, real nice sofa bed that Becky and I bought that we had uh, the twins sleeping on. Uh, This beautiful sofa bed. We paid this exorbitant price at Goodwill for $17 for a whole sofa bed. that's what I said. Thank you, Jesus. And, uh, and the boys were sleeping on, And in the middle of the night, we heard this screaming, this wailing. It was Logan screaming and crying, my, my little th- three-year-old grandson. And we could hear him crying, but we could not find him. I felt like I was in an episode of the Twilight Zone. They have one of those episodes. If you watch the marathon, this little girl gets lost in the fifth dimension or whatever. They can hear her crying, but they can't retrieve her. And that's what I felt like. We could hear him crying. We could hear him screaming, but we, where was he? Somehow in the middle of the night, in that very safe sofa bed, he had rolled over into inside the sofa bed and could not get out. And we, could, we had the hardest time. We couldn't retrieve him. I think he lost a layer of skin pulling him out. <laughs> and you should have heard that mournful wail, that, that terrible cry of re- rejection. Uh, even now, when he sees that sofa bed, he goes, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. Do you fear that friends might leave you, that others might hurt you? Even the spouse who promised you a forever love might desert you and divorce you. I want you to know, friend, there is one who is forsaken that you might be accepted. And he has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you until the end of time. He is a friend that sticks closer than her brother. And in 2014, you can count on him. The Lord will bless thee. The Lord will keep thee. Are you haunted by a fear of poverty? It's amazing. It's not just the poor who are haunted by a fear of poverty. I know rich people that are haunted by a fear of poverty. Are you haunted by this fear as we walk into 2014? Hear the word of the Lord. Psalms chapter 37. I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. Just haven't. Romans 8:32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us some things? all things it's God's delight to bless you with all things at the heart of the Lord's Prayer what's at the very center the core of the heart of the Lord's Prayer Matthew six eleven. give us this day our what daily bread it's amazing that Jesus who prayed, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Jesus who taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. Which speaks of the king of the universe who orders the billions of galaxies in their pathways so that everything is in complete precision. From the macro universe down to the micro universe of the atom. Everything is an absolute clockwork precision because of the order of God. He's not only concerned about the universe and the heart of the atom, he's concerned about the tiny details of your life. Honey, he's even concerned about how you part your hair. The Bible says that God can count the number of hairs on your head. The Bible says, Jesus says that Our father goes to the funeral of every sparrow that falls. And then Jesus said, if God is concerned about sparrows, how much more is he concerned about you? He knows you. He has your number. He reads your mail. He knows what you're going through right now. Don't fear. He wants to meet your needs. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Your Father feeds the the fowls, the birds of the air. He adorns the lily of the valley. How much more so will He take care of you? Five times Jesus says, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. What do you think Jesus is trying to tell us? Don't worry. My dad called me last night. Poor dad. He praised powerful prayers over me on saturday nights before i preach on sunday morning but dad at times at, at his age can can worry and uh at age 83 last night he was going on and he says phil in these 83 years that i have lived i've never seen our nation in such worse christ and he's probably right Worst crisis. And he he says, look at the national debt. Look at the health care issue. Look, did you hear? He says, I have it on good account. One of my friends got an email. Uh, Barack, President Barack Obama, Michelle, they're going to have a divorce. I've been told, Phil, it's just all coming unglued. I said, Dad, stop watching the news. Phil, I mean, he said, Phil, do you realize, he lives down in Lakeland, Florida, Phil, do you realize tonight it's going to get as cold as 40 degrees? I said, it must be nice living in paradise. I said, Dad, Dad, stop camping out in the news. God's on the throne and everything's going to be all right, all right. And I want to remind you as we move into 2014, the big three, Detroit's big three, is not our source. Wall Street may go bust, and it might. <laughs> what goes up comes down. <laughs> it might go bust. <laughs> Your money not, might not be worth the paper it's printed on. But God's kingdom will never go broke. Amen. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some are beginning 2014 haunted by the fear of death. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of every other Jenny Craig commercial. I'm tired of Marie Osmond telling me how to stay young and look trim and look fit and and be healthy. You know, our our TV stations, our radio airwaves, our our, our computer internet advertisements are flooded with advertisements on how to stay young as though we're going to live forever. When was the last time you saw a commercial or heard a commercial on how to die? Can we talk? If you want things to get quiet, real quick at a party. There's a lot of holiday parties at this time of the year. Talk about death. Our American culture has become so perverse that you can talk about anything with sexuality. You can talk about anything about perversion anymore. And America won't blush, won't blink an eye, but you wanna see things get real, real quiet. Just test this once with your relatives, your family gatherings, talk about death. Our nation is in a death-denial mode. We act like we're going to live forever. Didn't Jesus share the story of a rich farmer who just said, Oh, I've prospered uh, this past year, so this new year I'm going to build bigger barns, better barns. Uh, It's going to be wine, women, and song for me. And God spoke from heaven that night and said, This night, This night, not next year, not next month, not next week. This night, thou fool, thy soul shall be required of thee. Listen, only those who are prepared to die are really prepared to enjoy life. Paul the Apostle said in Philippians, (laughs) Paul the Apostle said, for me to live is what? Christ." And to die is gain. Until you're prepared to die, you really really won't be prepared to live and enjoy life. So why fear death? To live is Christ and to die is gain. The Lord will bless thee. The Lord will keep thee. But some in 2014 are haunted by the fear of the unknown. The unknown. You know, what drives the insecure to uh, read horoscopes, play with Ouija boards, go to palm readers? The fear of the unknown. You know, it's a real oxymoron. Over here at Garfield and uh, Hull Road, here you have that glorious academic institution, Macomb Community College. I mean, you have this, uh, you know, the the paramount uh, uh, of academic uh, training And right across the street, what do you have? Right across Garfield, uh, uh, on the east side of Garfield, what do you have? Palm reader, psychic reader. Boy, talk about a juxtaposition. Talk about an oxymoron, a paradox there. Huh? What drives people to go to the palm reader, the new ager? Uncertainty, insecurity, fear of the unknown. But the child of God has a greater navigational tool than the GPS that might be on your smartphone. What's our navigational tool? God's Word, the Bible. Young people, read it, study it, memorize it. It'll be the greatest tool that you can ever have in life. It beats all the trends. It's been the bestseller for more than 2,000 years. It tells me how the world will end, when the world will end, and what will make it end. It tells me about the future. For the child of God, there is no uncertainty. There is nothing that is unknown. Uh, In the twilight zone of Armageddon, the battle of Armageddon, when the Antichrist will try to do his best. What does this Bible, what does this book tell us? What will happen? John the Revelator said, I saw the heavens opened, and I saw him who sat upon a white horse, (laughs) and upon his head were many crowns, and his eyes, blazed as coals of fire and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword and with a rod of iron he will rule the nations and his name King of Kings and Lord of Lords hallelujah he'll march in the United Nations and he'll declare I'm in charge now this planet is under new management King of Kings and Lord of Lords Hallelujah. For the child of God that trusts the word of God, there is no fear about tomorrow. Yes, we don't know about tomorrow, but we know the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. Amen. Ha, ha, ha. I follow him. I serve him. I'm trusting in him. How about you? How about you? The Lord bless thee, the Lord keep thee. Amen. Mark it down. God desires to show His children His divine favor. Numbers chapter 6.24. I want you to see what the Lord has revealed to me recently as I've studied this. The Lord make His face face, to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up His countenance, His face again, upon thee and give thee peace, peace. A shining face, what is meant by a shining face? A shining face is the opposite of an angry face. I was having, I was just having such a laugh, Pastor Ryan and I, uh, as we were looking at faces while the the choir was singing, uh, how did that go again? What a difference you have made in my life. And the choir is—I uh, mean, just getting into it. The choir is just smiling, and clapping, and, and then there's some souls we looked over at. You would have thought it was a donkey eating a green tomato. I mean, sh- man. If looks could kill, Ooh. a shining face is a face that is the opposite of a downcast angry face a face turned towards someone is the opposite of a face turned away from someone a shining face speaks of god's favor being poured out upon you and yours you see god desires more than blessing upon your life more than meeting your needs God desires to bring success into your life. And if you've got some kind of opposite rendering or understanding from the Word of God, I'd sure like to see your theology. Because from the front of the book to the back of the book for the people of God, I see nothing but from the desire of heaven being victory, favor, success upon the people of God. Survey after survey after survey has revealed our nation's, our culture's greatest fear. What's the greatest fear that people have in our culture? It's not death. It's not loneliness. Failure. Failure. I don't want to end up being a failure. I don't want to end up being Mr. Nobody. I don't want to end up as one big zero as the last punctuation point of of my life. Fear of failure is number one. I want to remind you, child of God, I want to remind you, God does not manufacture junk. God does not sponsor flops. God has made no plans for your failure. He goes before you and makes the crooked way straight. I had somebody recently that that just got blessed abundantly and they came to me. Pastor, I don't deserve this. I don't understand this. Uh, Why is God bringing this into my life? Why is God bringing this wonderful opportunity into, into my life and my husband's life? I said, you don't deserve it. But God loves you desperately and because of His grace. None of us deserve His blessings. Because of His grace, He pours out and pours out and pours out His blessings on us. And beyond even the blessings, He grants us favor. You go home today and read Joshua chapter 1. Read Joshua chapter 1 and over and over and over again, God says to Joshua, I will grant you prosperity. I will grant you great success. Only follow my commandments. Only trust me. Only obey me. Stay in this word. Study this word. Read my word and I will grant you prosperity. I will grant you success. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and to give you a future. Think of it. God has planned for your success and not your failure. But there's something. There's something far greater here. That the Lord has communicated in my life. I don't want to be a church. I don't want to be a preacher or a pastor that's just caught up in the material blessings or success that is so fleeting. There's something far beyond blessing. There's something far beyond the temporary, the transient here in Numbers chapter 6. A shining face. A face turned towards someone is more than material prosperity or success it's also prophetic it's also so personal god is desiring to do more than to bless you because sometimes our blessings when they're heaped upon us they tend to cause us to forget god Sometimes our blessings get us so focused on the blessings, we forget who the blesser is. (laughs) We get so focused on the gifts, we forget who the gift giver is. You hear me in this? Numbers chapter 26 is not just practical, a God who meets your needs. Don't fear as you move into 2014. But it's also a word that's prophetic of what God wants to bring us to. This blessing that's been composed by God is prophetic as it reveals the goal, the heart of the whole Bible. Numbers chapter 6 reveals something that's more powerful than even the salvation of your soul. Hang with me and I'll bring you there this morning. This is a wonderful journey for the first Sunday of the new year. The heart cry of Moses. Write it down if you would. For as Simeon looked... Into the face. Would you say that word face again with me? Face a baby Jesus. He must have thought of Moses' prayer cry in Exodus 33. In Exodus 33, how old is Moses? He's 81 now. 81. What What had happened? What had transpired a year before? At age 80, he who had been the prince of Egypt is now a lowly shepherd on the back side of the wilderness. Yes! And one day, he saw a bush. A bush that was... Is there anything strange, odd, or unique about a burning bush in the Sinai wilderness? No! <laughs> Did you hear it say, he always does that. <laughs> No. It was not unique. It was not an anomaly that the bush was burning. What was weird was the fact that the bush that was burning, not talking, it hadn't been burned up. It wasn't consumed. That's what caused Moses to come aside. And as he came aside, oh, I like the Cecil B. DeMille production. When I think of God's voice, I always think of Cecil B. DeMille. I think that was Cecil B. DeMille. That was the God voice. Moses. Moses. I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Take off your shoes, for you're walking on holy ground. Moses grumbled. God told Moses, I am sending you to deliver my people out of the land of Egypt. I have heard their cries. and I want you to stand before Pharaoh. And I want you to command him as my mouthpiece. Let my people go. Moses followed through with the command of God, though reluctantly. And God rained down plague after plague after plague. How many plagues? Ten plagues. The people of Israel came out in victory, liberated by the hand of God. God, as they came to the Red Sea, a place uh, where it was a hindrance, an obstacle, there was no way out, uh, Pharaoh's army behind them, the Red Sea before them, what did God do? He made a way where there seemed to be no way, and once again Moses experienced the power of God as they walked across on dry ground, they went into the Sinai wilderness, and the presence of God came down upon Mount Sinai. Do you remember what happened when God stepped foot on Mount Sinai? The Bible says it began to melt with a fervent heat like a furnace. And that the very rocks began to shake. And there was thunder and lightning as God stepped out of heaven and walked upon the top of a mountain. And then Moses, as the people ran to their tents, Moses walked up into the fiery presence of God for how many days? 40 days in the fiery presence of God. During those 40 days, God began to write on tablets of stone. What did God write? The Ten Commandments. And at the end of 40 days, Moses comes down off the mountain. You saw Charlton Heston in the movie walking down the mountain with the Ten Commandments. But what are the people of God doing? What, are the, what is the congregation of Israel doing? they're not only worshipping a golden calf they're having a sexual orgy around this golden calf that they have declared as the God who led them out of Egypt and Moses in righteous anger and indignation on behalf of God takes the tablets of stone and smashes them because Israel has broken the law of God God says set yourself apart from them I will destroy them and blot their name from the earth. Moses goes to prayer. He says, oh God, blot out my name, but not their name. Forgive. Pardon. The wrath of God is turned aside. God says, I will pardon them. I will forgive them but I will not restore them. There's a difference. My presence will no longer be in the camp. I will send my angel before you. He will lead you into the land that I have promised. He will give you victory. He will give you blessing. But I cannot walk with the people any longer. My presence cannot abide with them, lest I destroy them out of my holy anger. Moses goes back up to the mountain. And Moses begins to pray again. Mark it down. So once again Moses interceded, crying out to God in prayer. And his prayer, mark it down, had three requests. Three requests. I've set up the context. Note the three requests. Number one, he prayed that God would teach him his ways so that Moses might know him and continue to find favor with him. He wanted God's continued favor because of what he was going to pray next. Number two, Moses prayed, Lord, I thank you for sending an angel. I thank you for the blessings. I thank you for the victory. I thank you that you're going to take us to the promised land. But God, more than the blessings, we want you. I want you. I will not step one foot with this people unless you are with us. Let me just stop right there. If you want to grow up spiritually in 2014, stop your thumb sucking praying. Stop your praying with shopping lists all the time. God doesn't mind to give you your daily bread. He's already promised that. Trust Him for it. Stop praying for nothing but the blessings and start praying for the presence. Start praying for the presence. Lord, I thank you for your blessings. Lord, I thank you for your victory. I thank you for your success. Uh, You have told me that, that I can trust in that as your child. But God, I want your presence. I need your presence. But then Moses was getting ready for a third request. How did God answer the first two? How did God answer the first two? Exodus thirty-three seventeen, 17, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you. And I know you by name. That's God's word to somebody here this morning. I, I sense that. You've had a heart burden and the Lord is saying, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you. The devil has been giving you a thousand and one excuses why the prayer answer has been delayed. And you have been felt like a nobody and God is saying, you're a somebody. I know you by name. I will do the very thing that you have asked. Not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. Covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But Moses, Moses, Moses had one final request that had nothing to do with Israel. This was not a prayer that was corporate. There are times I pray for you as a church. In fact, it's every day I pray for you as a church. But then... There is that moment that I pray for Phil Christ. I pray for me, myself, and I. And this is what Moses, Pastor Moses, his first two requests dealt with Israel. Now this third prayer request deals with himself. His third prayer request was this, God, I want to see Your face. And I want to see Your glory. Exodus 33:18 then Moses said now show me your glory I want to see your face no human no matter how holy or pious no matter how saintly or sanctified can see the face of god God granted the first two of Moses' prayer requests. But He told Moses in verse 20, you cannot see My face, for no one may see Me and live. The utter holiness and transcendency of God is so fiery, it is so blazing that no matter how sanctified you are you cannot stand before the living God his holiness majesty and transcendency, his glory would literally blast your consciousness but Moses is praying I want to see your glory show me your glory so God partially answered his request and said here I will place you in the cleft of the rock and I will hide you with my hand. My hand will cover thee and I will pass by. And as God passed by, Moses was able to glimpse the afterglow of the glory of God. God rewrote the Ten Commandments. And now as Moses comes down off the mountain, holding the Ten Commandments. He did not see. He did not notice. He did not realize what the people were seeing. What were the people doing when Moses came down off the the mountain the second time? They were running for their tents because the face of Moses, what? Shone like the brilliance of the sun. It radiated to the point he had to wear a veil over his face. Hold that thought. Let me go through the back door and come back. Because there's a powerful truth I want you to go home with in 2014. Julie, it was about 29 years ago, 28 years ago. Becky and I lived in Redford Township in our little love nest. 900 square feet on a gravel road in Redford Township, 8-mile in telegraph, little brick love nest. And that's where we had Julie, and that's, of course, they were born in a hospital, but uh, that's where Julie and Jonathan were babies. And, and in that humble little subdivision, we got blessed. The announcement came out that the elementary school in our subdivision was going to be visited by somebody pretty important. Our commander in chief, our president, President Ronald Reagan, The FBI, the Secret Service, did not allow anybody outside the subdivision to come to the school. We were able to walk there, and we pushed the two babies in strollers to the playground of that elementary school, and then a helicopter came over. I said, this is the president, and the trees were bending and the helicopter landed at one corner of the playground, then a second helicopter then a third helicopter then a fourth helicopter I am just quivering with anticipation then the, the helicopter of helicopters, this humongous gargantua helicopter. I never knew they made helicopters that big, came down in the center of the field trees are bending like with a hurricane wind and we're hiding and shielding the kids and then the Door of the helicopter came open. The red carpet is rolled out. The band struck up, Hail to the Chief. And out came President Ronald Reagan. And we were front and center and got to witness his appearance. And he waved, and I waved, and he waved back at me. I was trying to think as I was writing this sermon. Who are some other really important people that you might know that uh, I've, I, I've interacted with? Um, I had Pat Robertson right here at Lakeside in my office. Oh, he, he spoke here. It was not long after we built the church, Bill. Uh, we, we had Pat Robertson uh, here, early 90s. And... Uh, uh, all the gays showed up at our driveway throwing pies and eggs at the cars, and uh, they tried to come in the building. I wouldn't let them. They said, well, it's public. I said, no, it's not. Can't come in. And uh, I talked to Pat Robertson, had him in my office, shook his hand, interacted with him. Um, I don't know how you feel about this person, but somebody you all know, Benny Hinn. I, Entertained him for a whole week before he became a somebody. Had to take him out to lunch once a day for a whole week uh, when he preached at Brightmoor with the church that the Beringers and ourselves came from. Ronald Reagan, Pat Robertson, Benny Hinn. I interacted with them. Pat Robertson, Benny Hinn talked with them. Shook their hand. I don't know don't really know the men. Millions of people this year will come to church. Millions of Christians have met Jesus Christ. Millions of Christians can say with the Gaithers, He touched me. They've been touched by God. They've been blessed by God. They've been healed by God. They've been the recipient of miracles, God's faithfulness. Some have even heard the voice of the Lord in their hearts. Jesus has talked with them. But the point is, they don't know Him. Moses had heard the voice of God in the burning bush. Moses had seen the hand of God in miracles upon Egypt, making a way where there seemed to be no way. Moses had spent 40 days on the top of Mount Sinai in the fiery presence of God, when God first wrote the Ten Commandments. But now, but now, what do we hear? After Moses had experienced all of those things, God talking, God acting, God moving, God's presence, Moses is still saying, show me your glory. Moses wanted more. Moses wanted more. Some of you don't get it yet. I said, Moses wanted more. I've even thought... uh, I've even thought about the theme uh, of 2014 for Lakeside Assembly of God. You see, as for me and myself, uh, as for me and my family, uh, uh, we've heard God's voice. We've walked with God all of these years. We've met Him. We've interacted with Him. We've worshipped Him. Uh, We're in His house. We serve Him as pastors. But I want more. (laughs) My heart's cry is, show me Your glory. I want to see Your face. I've even thought of making the theme of 2014 here at Lakeside. More! Is that your heart's cry for 2014? I want more of God! I want more of His Spirit! I want more of His anointing! I want more of His presence! I want more! Now, did you hear that response? And I find that in every congregation, every church. There are those that are satisfied, like my son preached last week, with halfway living. They're comfortable right where they're at. They're comfortable in their prayer life. They're comfortable in in, in their word life. They're comfortable in their ministry. They're comfortable in their cozy pew. And then there's another tribe. There's another remnant in any given church. They want more! (laughs) Show me your glory! Lord, I'm not satisfied with the status quo. I'm not satisfied with just a trickle. I'm not satisfied with the breeze. I want the wind! I want more. Show me Your glory. I want to see Your face. In 2014, write it down. Don't settle for just a surface relationship with the lover of your soul. Like Moses, cry out, show me your glory. I've already heard your voice, I've already had the burning bush, I've already had the mountaintop experience, but I want more. I want more. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Simeon's revelation. Would you write it down as Simeon thought of Aaron's blessing? Moses' heart cried to see God's face. I imagine as these two intersected with him, he must have gasped. Man cannot look upon the face of God, so God had to become a man. Emmanuel, in a very real way, Simeon, as he held the baby in his arms, was looking at the face of God. And God, why did God have to become a man? Because God can't die. I said, God can't die. So God became a man to be laid in a manger and then laid upon a cross where He was cruelly tortured, crucified, and nailed. And as He hung there suspended between heaven and earth, He cried out, it is finished. What is finished? The debt has been paid. (laughs) The debt incurred by your sin and my sin. It has been fully paid. It has been completely redeemed. You have been born again and washed in the shed blood, not of an angel, not of a sacrifice which is animal. You have been cleansed by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the blood of God. Why did He die upon a cross? Why go through the suffering? Why did He become our Savior? The quick answer is Jesus died upon the cross to save us from our sins. God became Emmanuel. God with us to give us eternal life. The quick answer could be that the reason the Ultimate became the Intimate, the reason the Infinite became the Finite, the reason the Invisible became the Visible, (laughs) is so that we could be saved from a living hell and brought to a living Heaven. All those answers are true. But the ultimate goal of this entire Word, God's ultimate goal, The reason God became flesh and died upon the cross was not just to save your soul, not just to give you eternal life, not just to save you from your sin or save you from hell. Jesus came, write it down, to give us the greatest blessing of all. To see the face of God. To see the face of God. To do what Moses could not do. Is there a homing instinct in you, Christian, for something better? You've walked with God a long time, but is there a homing instinct in you for something better? To walk on higher ground, to enjoy the songs the angels sing. We weren't fashioned to raise our children in an X rated world, we weren't fashioned to watch transvestites parade at Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. We weren't fashioned to watch a Rose Bowl parade in Pasadena where there's a same sex marriage upon a float there in Pasadena. We weren't fashioned for a perverse world that's become an abomination to the living God. We weren't fashioned to see. A million and a half unborn children aborted every year. We weren't fashioned to live in a world, to raise our children and our grandchildren in a world where the name of God is blasphemed Uh, on a daily basis. We were fashioned to walk where the angels walk, on streets of gold, (laughs) to hear the songs that the angels sing, (laughs) to soar with the angels, and to no longer walk by faith to no longer walk by faith, but to walk face to face. To walk face to face. That's the ultimate goal of the Bible. That's God's goal. That He might walk with us, friend with friend, face to face. That we may know Him, and that He may know us. How will this happen, Pastor? When will this happen? It doth not yet appear what we shall be but John said this one thing we know that when we shall see him we shall be like him hallelujah hallelujah Paul the Apostle said right now we look through a glass darkly but then face to face and we shall know as we are known I don't know when this will happen, it might be in the morning, it might be at noon, it might be in the evening, all I know, honey, it's going to be soon. (laughs) Hallelujah. In the blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says the eastern skies will unzip. (laughs) And He will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, raptured to be with Him forevermore. What a day that will be. When the prayer of Moses will be finally answered (laughs) and we shall behold Him. Hallelujah.
1: Hey! P- be changed either.
0: us if you would this morning let's give him all the praise let's give him all the glory what a day that will be when our Jesus we shall see Lord we're keenly aware that we are rapidly moving towards a time that we will see you as you are in all of your glory face no longer walking by faith but face to face as we stand in our resurrection body we shall behold you as heads are bowed in the sacredness of this moment on this first Sunday of a new year Can it be said of your life? Can it be said of your soul that you shall behold Him? Some, yes, will behold Him, but as the judge of all eternity who will say, Depart from me, I know you not, ye worker of iniquity. I pray that you will behold Him as your heavenly Father, the King of the ages. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation on this first Sunday of the new year. If you're unsure, if you're uncertain about your relationship with God and you you want to be sure, if you're uncertain that you have a home in heaven, that you will behold him in all of his glory and you want to be certain I'd like to include you in this prayer if you'd like to be included right now and know that you know that your name is written the Lamb's Book of Life just lift up your hand wherever you're at right now his heads are bowed and eyes are closed none are looking around Christians are praying I know this has not been a message to unbelievers necessarily but on this first Sunday I want you to know that you know you can be changed, different from the way you entered this place. How many would like to be included in this prayer right now? Just lift up your hand this morning, precious Jesus, precious Jesus, if not this morning. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus the heart's cry of this church, Lord, for 2014, will be a simple word that has such a profound meaning. Lord, I pray that our heart's cry will be more. More of your presence. More of your goodness. More of your anointing. More of your passion. That Lord will have more of you, not just your blessings. Lord, as we close this service in praise, help us, oh Lord, to give you the highest praise
1: in 2014. In the name of Jesus, amen.